You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Season 2, new intro, let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and I'm your host Greg E Hill, the Culture Change Agent. On this show, we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and Future generation leaders. And man, do I got a show for you today. I'm excited. It's Thursday. I'm releasing a new episode. And yo, 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 this week has been phenomenal. Like Tuesday, check me out. Tuesday, I was at my alma mater A&T. Shout out to my Aggies. You already know it's homecoming. So if you're familiar with the HBCU universe, you know we got the best homecoming on earth. But on Tuesday night, right, we had a an event, a panel hosted by AT&T Moderated by the legendary actor Hill Harper, penless, including current North Carolina SGA president Jordan Green, Miss Jasmine Harrison, a boss HR rep, lady, pioneer at ATT. We had Casey Dangerfield, one of the best bloggers in Aggie Land, one of the best bloggers in the country, honestly, in my opinion, Miss April Hartley. Is a political fundraiser that helped campaigns raise tens of millions of dollars. Crazy. And we were just delivering value about the art of branding. And I had a phenomenal time. I mean, it's crazy. Before the panel, um, I, and I, I give all thanks to God and to the seniors at North Carolina a because they voted me to be their 2016 December speaker for the senior class breakfast. Nah, we ain't at the commencement level yet because, you know, a couple years ago we had Michelle Obama. We can't go from Michelle Obama to Greg Hill. Not yet. Like, I ain't there yet. But they did vote me in to be their 2011, two, I mean, 2016 senior class breakfast graduation speaker. So I'm definitely thankful for that opportunity because you had to write in. They didn't just say one or two. Say we gonna, the president just didn't just say that. They wrote my name in. So I was like, wow, that's out of nowhere before that. And then, you know, after the panel... Had a chance to talk to Chancellor Martin, and hopefully we can bring North Carolina Auntie's Chancellor himself on the podcast. So that's in the works. I'm, I'm, I'm working with something on Hill Harper to hopefully, uh, I, I can't spill too much info, but man, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal evening. And even better, after the, the panel, around 10 to 15 Aggies came up. We took pics. We, we shared stories. And they like, yo, I listen to your podcast. I'm encouraged. I'm inspired. They were telling me the episodes they listened to, the friends that they shared it to. And I couldn't believe it. Like, this is college students. They go to my university, my alma mater. I've never met in my life. They're like, yo, I see you on LinkedIn. I listen to the podcast. 
a phenomenal chance to meet you. Like, they were literally pumped. It was so weird. I'm so thankful and blessed for our listeners that they tune in each and every week, not just hear me, but to hear these stories, and they are taking it, and they're applying it to the everyday life. So, shout out to you. Whoever the listener is, whether you're a college student, a high school student, a young adult, an older adult, old in the mind, old in the flesh, but not old in the mind, or you're somebody just want to take their life to the next level, or just hear entertaining stories from people like yourself, I appreciate the support. I don't take it for granted. Every single time you leave a review, every single time you hit play, every single time you share with a friend, I mean, it, it, it changes my world and hopefully it's changing the lives of others. So this show wouldn't be anywhere without people like you, the listener. It wouldn't be anywhere without the people that agree to come on the show. And it wouldn't be anywhere without the support of my God Almighty. I had to, to say it out there. I mean, I'm a believer, so it is what it is. But as we transition, because this show is special to me, because this is one of the shows that I've interviewed a fellow podcaster. Because when I started, I said that not only would I reach out to people in education, not only would I reach out to people in the medical space and all these other areas, I wanted to kind of bring on other fellow podcasters and to share their unique stories because at the end of the day, there's, there's a lot of hours in a day. You spend a lot of time traveling. You spend a lot of time at the gym, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. And after you then listen to my podcast, I want to sh- I want you to listen to more podcasts and learn more. And the, the young lady that we have on this show, she has her own podcast and she interviews women of color that have side hustles, that have businesses that are doing the thing thing. I'm a fan of her work. She's a fan of mine. And I want to bring on the show because she has a phenomenal story about overcoming obstacles, about enduring rough stretches in our life, and about capitalizing on momentum. So let me get into a little bit more about her, read her bio, and let's get into the show. When I think about this guest, I two things come to mind. Value add. And I'm, I'm not even lying. Let's just hear me out, people. In two months of knowing her, she has added more in my life than friends that I've known for over a decade, it, it, which, which is kind of crazy. I don't understand how it works like that, but it's crazy. No lie. Um, her connections have brought me to a guest of one of my top 10 podcasts of all time. Like, and honestly, in my book, my own personal book, I think it's like a top three podcast. Like the podcast I did with Mario, her fiance was just freaking phenomenal. I learned so much. I was motivated. I, I, I left the podcast and just immediately went to the library, started working. So that's how much it inspired me. I mean, sending me books about different things, sending me links to webinars. You can kind of build my brand and help monetize. I mean, this is all from only knowing her via email. You. If you, if you, if you are listening today and you're trying to get tips on how to grow your business or create, especially create a side business, because I know a lot of y'all working right now, y'all working nine to five and y'all looking like, cause you read online, create extra streams of income and everybody just sees real estate and all these other things. No, there's a lot of other mediums. And what makes this guest special is not only is she creating her own side business, but she ends interviews people of color people actually i don't know if it's people of all nationalities we'll get into it in the show the people that are creating their own side businesses that turn into real businesses that are making real money and real impact so it's the new wave of podcast she has a her own unique story telling it so like i told you if you're interested in making other money making your side hustle getting it strong i mean we're going to talk about b school and i know uh, b school because i know a lot of people listening to y'all thinking about where should i go to b school what now we're going to talk about that and hopefully how they how she balances relationships podcasts work and all that stuff like i don't know how she does it we're going to see you in an episode and i'm gonna get a little bit of a brief bio and then we're gonna jump into this show so 
She's a social and digital media marketing strategist who moonlights as a blogger and podcast host. She holds a bachelor's from the University of Pennsylvania and an MBA from University of Michigan's Raw School of Business. Her professional experience spans digital marketing, ad sales, social media strategy for Google, MTV Networks, Ideal.com, and, and Georgetown McDonough. And she is currently the senior manager of social marketing with the National Public Radio Station, NPR for short. So without further ado, I would like to introduce my special guest, my sister, my black girl, Madrick Miss Nikayla Matthews, host of the Side Hustle Pro Podcast, to the Minority Troubles Podcast. Welcome to the show. Wow! <laughs> thank you for that intro. I mean, that is that is hands down the best intro I've ever gotten in my life. <laughs> See, my side hustle needs to be because you are everybody I've interviewed. Except like two people have said that. So my side hustle honestly bumped the motivational speaking. I just need to be a an intro guy. Right. Like, or a host or something. Hey, like, I don't know about a host because the host, eh, it, 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 it kind of, when I think about hosts, I think comedians. And I think I'm right. funny, but I'm not that, like, like, okay, off the dome, crazy, Kevin Hart, uh, all that type of funny. Or Terrence J is cool. He's a host. He's not funny. But nah, I'm not really trying to get into that place, but I can do intros. Yes, yes, definitely. You, we could talk about that offline. Maybe we could redo my intro. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, but nah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Um, just, you know, post work grind like it is every day, side hustle life. Amen. 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 So I'm excited to have you on the line with your wealth of experiences and whatnot to share with our audience a, a little bit about your life, your story, your podcast, your business, and uh, just, just everything, honestly. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. This is my first interview on the other side of the microphone. So it's cool to be on this side, being the one being interviewed. As we, as we always know, we start off the show with a quote. So please, can I call you Nikki? Yeah, go ahead. Nikki, please, please share with our audience a quote that you love and a story, a real story on how you apply a quote to your everyday life. Wow. Well, I think the first, first thing that comes to mind is a quote that um, on my own podcast, a guest shared, Stephanie Thomas on episode three shared, and it is, tell a story that no one else can tell. And I love that quote so much because I think a lot of times, most of us growing up have been trying to fit into some box that we think we need to fit into or tell some story that we think we need to tell to get a certain place, whether that's B school, whether that's, you know, a job. Mm -hmm. And slowly as I've gotten older, I've realized that the thing that makes me valuable and makes me me is the fact that is, is my story and what I've been through. And so I've been embracing that more and more, sharing what I'm going through, you know, on Side Hustle Pro, but also sharing stories that I used to be ashamed of mm -hmm. and realizing that like this is this was just part of my journey this is what makes me stronger and people I realized that people actually relate to me more because I'm started to share my real story not not the polished one <laughs> people, like they look at my website or something like that and they think I just have it all together and I'm like girl <laughs> like talk about the things that i've been through the ups and downs because it is it is not all polished uh-huh that's that's great and um a question i usually don't i usually always just transition to share with the audience the background but i do have a question on that because okay. i find it funny because i know we both did the mlt program 
Mm-hmm. And when I was in the MLT program, I, I as you know, my, I'm, I'm a motivational speaker, so it was kind of easy to kind of share my story. But I told people about my time being homeless, my time being depressed, and all this other stuff. I was very candid and open out with the, regardless of who it is, who it was with, admissions officers. Not to say the first thing I was saying, but my, I, I kind of own my story, and everybody was like, "Greg, like how how do you really could say that and say those things?" Blah blah blah. blah. And and I really didn't think it was too big of a deal. And I think you touched on it's like. For a lot of us, we shy away from that. So before we even get into the show, why do you think it's so difficult for people to really be honest and vulnerable? And two, what are some core things that you have you did personally to open up more and to start owning kind of who you really were? Yes, that's such a great question. And hmm, there's so many reasons, I think. But I think at the core of it, why people are afraid to just be who they really are, share who their real story is because we care way too much about what everyone else thinks. And half the time, um, no one's even thinking about you. Yeah. It's like the Richard Sherman, <laughs> like, when the, the, the lady's like, um, who's talking about you? <laughs> so it's kind of one of those things to what I, what I started telling myself at first to get over it was, you know, people actually aren't even thinking about me. Like most people are really, all of us are self-centered in yeah. an average day, right? Uh-huh. Think about how much you think about yourself. You're thinking about what you got to do, um, how you want to take yourself to the next level. Like, And I just realized, actually, nobody's thinking about me right now. <laughs> so uh, all this worry that I'm doing in my head, I'm making up people. Like, I'm making up scenarios um, that will never, ever happen. So that was the first thing that helped me to start moving past mm-hmm. caring what people think about me. And um, honestly, I think the biggest thing that got me through it was just feeling my lowest moment when I graduated from business school and we'll get into B school a little bit more. But when I graduated with my MBA without a job and I just kind of felt like, well, this is this is the lowest low in terms of I know it sounds like a, a real bougie low, but, you know, stick with me. Like I felt, <laughs> you go you go to business school to get a job like uh-huh. you don't graduate. As a matter of fact, a woman I won't even say where I saw her. I won't even do those, this organization like this. I met a woman at a networking event, um, post B school. You know, I was still networking, trying to get a job. And when I told her I didn't have a job yet, she was like, Oh, you graduated. You don't have a job. Shame on you. This lady told me shame on me. I was like, wow. So you talk about that, that judgment and insecurity. And then that's when I just like decided to just peel off that layer. Like I was like, I'm not living like this anymore. This is my story. It is what it is. I know I'm talented. I'm going to get a job eventually. Like y'all not going to put me in this shame box. Oh man. Well, we got, we definitely got to pivot, pivot that because that sounds like, cause that sounds like a little, a, a real pain point right there. Right? Just it, like, no, it was a turning point. It was, it was, it was a turning point for me. It just like, I, I forgot on our, our episode podcast episode 39 with with your fiance moyo we talked about freaking um mike i I think he talked about his time at microsoft and i had a pain point he just (laughs) went oh it was funny it was just it was one of the funniest moments of podcast and my podcast experience because he was (laughs) i know listen to it i was laughing because it's like he doesn't even care that much anymore so to hear him like talking about it was like wow i haven't heard him like really you know Talk about it like this in a while. <laughs> so, all right. So we, I know we jumped a little bit ahead, but all okay. right, let's bring it back. Can you share with our audience a little bit about your background and who you are? Sure. So 
my background. So I'm originally from Jamaica, the island. I was born there. I came to the U.S. when I was six. And I, and we, I grew up in the Bronx, New York. And my parents were very much, um, you know, the traditional J- Jamaican parents who they, they want to give you a better life, education. And so education was, um, extremely important in our household. It was never something that, I even remember being spoken like, oh, you have to do this. It was just expected. You just knew you were supposed to go um, to school and do well. Um, Uh (laughs) You know, like uh, my dad, we always make fun of him. He has this saying about digging and like you're supposed to dig into your books. You're supposed to. That's what you're supposed to be. Were they they educated? Like what was their educational background? Um, So, yeah, they they were educated in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And then um, we came here and they... They very much continue to. My mom um, went back to school again when she uh, got here because she's a nurse and, you know, they really value the American standard of nursing. And so she went back to get that um, U.S. Uh, certification. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, those are the kind of parents I have, you know, like she's raising three children and working full time job and going to school at night. You know, that that's the kind of example that I have. So I've always um, been just had that much respect for my parents and known that I wanted to make them proud because they made so many sacrifices for us. And that's really shaped who I am as a person. Like I um, went to, for high school, I went to this school called Bronx Science in mm-hmm. in the Bronx. And it was one of those schools you, you have to take a test for. It's called a specialized high school. And I had a big sister who had gone to another specialized high school. And so in my mind, like I just always wanted to achieve the most because I, I saw my parents, I saw my sisters always doing the most. So as the youngest, mm-hmm. that was just always in my my mind as as that's just what you do. You you aim for the highest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then post science, I got into Penn uh, University of Pennsylvania to study. Is that the only school you applied for? No, I applied to a few different schools, mainly looking at communications programs, oh, okay, because okay. by that point in my life, I knew I loved writing and was interested in entertainment. And I didn't quite know what else I could explore other than maybe public relations and communications to my parents, just to my dad. My dad would just shake his head like, what are you majoring? (laughs) You don't want to do economics? (laughs) Economics engineer. If you ever, I mean, this is a stereotype, but if you ever, you're going to do economics, finance, or engineer, period. Years. I I still, I I still think my parents don't understand what I do, but. Social (laughs) media marketing. What? Right. They now (laughs) trust that I'm, I'm going to be able to eat so they're, they're proud of me um, but yeah they've always been very supportive because I've, I was that child that creative one who just wanted to do her own thing and yeah that's where me and my sisters kind of diverged like they um, were into more traditional subjects and I was always the one that like I want to you know, write and travel the world. And, <laughs> and and that's how I landed up in marketing. And then as far as where I applied to college, I applied to a few schools. Um, I did apply to an HBCU. I you, did apply I to just, Howard. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I had to make sure. I had to make sure you, I was about to ask. <laughs> yes, I got into Howard and, and applied to some more schools that specialized in communications like Syracuse, but ultimately chose Penn because, you know, I got caught up in that being a high schooler like Ivy League mind you I didn't know what an Ivy League was before we started doing the college tour Mm -hmm. because you know we came from Jamaica like I didn't 
we didn't know about that. Um, and my sister went to, uh, so my, both of my sisters went to SUNY Binghamton. So mm-hmm. that was what was expected of me at first. Like, oh, you're just going to follow in the footsteps. And um, I learned about Penn through college tours. So you, what, what, what fancy college tour you go on? Because most of the majority <laughs> of our listeners, we went to college tour. We went to Auntie <laughs> Prairie View. Fancy high school with like... <laughs> All these people who, you know, knew about this world. Where did I go? Preston, <laughs> Harvard, uh, Brown, Cornell. <laughs> that, yep, there was a there was a tour just for the Ivies. And I remember not liking Penn. It was a cold, rainy day. I'll never forget that. I didn't even like Penn, but then when I got back to school, you know, the pressure of, oh, this is the Ivy, you should apply to some Ivies, your GPA is great, blah, blah, blah. And and it had a, a School of Communications. So that stood out to me, like the Edinburgh School of Communications. Oh, wow, they have exactly what I want to do. Um, so it ended up being that I got into Penn and, and went on a, a preview weekend and found some besties. And I was like, okay, I'm going here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not to cut you off, did you enjoy your time at Penn? Like, because uh, you don't have to go through your whole, because I mean, yeah. college is a, is a big, it's that four years, is, is a lot of experience. Yes. But did you enjoy the time at Penn? What'd you get? What'd you, t- what'd you take from it? Yeah. Overall, I will say yes, I enjoyed my time at Penn. Overall, mm-hmm. if we look at it as a holistic experience. But I had some, um, it was a big culture shock, huge culture shock. Um, my freshman year, I definitely wanted to transfer because I, coming from New York, even though I, in high school, I had friends whose parents were wealthy, you know, and I, I, I visited people's houses, summer houses in the Hamptons and things like that. There was still like this level of uh, down to earthness because, you know, everyone took the train together. Mm-hmm. Everyone like we're living in New York and it's really hard to tell who's rich and who's poor when no one's driving cars to school. Yeah, <laughs> nobody <laughs> could pull up. Right. Nobody could pull up. <laughs> and, stunt. and then I get to Penn and I was like, who are these people? Like, I, I thought everybody especially black people would be down to earth and not everyone is. And I, I struggled with that. I struggled with it until I, I really found my groove and I found my people and I found um, activities I love. Like I ended up um, joining this dance troupe, uh, African Rhythms, that it was just a, a savior for me because not only did I get to express myself, but I met like a family. Like we, the, our troupe was really like a family. In addition, I, I became an RA, so I took on leadership roles and, and I got into my groove after a while. But when I first got to Penn, I was like, oh no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. This. <laughs> nah. Okay. Okay. So you graduated from Penn. Where'd you go? Ne- where'd you go to next? So after Penn, um, through MLT, I did MLT's career prep program. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to my coach Rosalie. Everybody um, loves Rosalie. Uh, shout yeah. out. To, yeah, I, I, I didn't get a hat. Miss Angie. Miss Angie. She was cool. We had our we had our battles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, shout out to the MLT program. My bad. Let's go back. Shout out to MLT. So through MLT, um, I was exposed to my coach Rosalie sent me this application for MTV summer associate program. Mm-hmm. And basically it was only like a eight week program for recent grads to um, do a rotation in a, in a department. And then th- there was a possibility that you could apply and end up staying long-term. Was it paid? So, it was paid. Yeah, it was paid. They put us up in housing, this place called International House by Columbia. So we all call ourselves the real world. We're like, <laughs> <laughs> we live in the real world. Oh, my God. It was the funnest summer ever. 
hard though because we didn't know if we could stay on after like we were all towards the end grinding and having to compete against each other for full-time roles um but that summer i worked in corporate communications with under under a woman a black woman who um i would go on to stay in touch with and would become like a mentor to me and through her um was able to learn of other positions in the company and get a full-time role as a department assistant so I my first job out of college I was with MTV Networks for about two years. Mm, so so I know I know um, we could talk we're gonna, we're gonna share a lot about everything. But how was your experience at MTV for those two years? So the first year I worked in a department called Standards, and that was cool. Standards basically they're the people who. Um, try to make MTV networks, uh, a decent place. And, you know, um, <laughs> they screen all the content. Believe it or not, all the content is screened before it goes on the air. And, spe- and specifically, I work for Nickelodeon. So MTV networks owns all these sub brands. So, well, I shouldn't call them sub, but they own Nickelodeon. So I was specifically on the Nickelodeon brand. <laughs> Did that, but I was like, Oh, this is cool. But, you know, I, I thought. I really wanted to be in PR. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I got the opportunity and a position opened up, I made a lateral move to be a department assistant in the Nickelodeon press department. And um, this is where I'll give a disclaimer. Shout out to Nickelodeon and MTV for giving me my first job. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now let's get to the real. (laughs) That was the worst career move I've made in my life to date. Mm. I had the boss from hell, like, sorry, but I had the boss from hell. Um, it was literally like the, the movie Devil Wears Prada, where there was nothing there for my enrichment and growth. I was uh, getting coffee. I was being asked to come in early and open her blinds before she stepped into her office. God, God forbid she stepped into darkness, um, not leave my desk because someone might call. So I would have to get coverage to go to the bathroom for the phones. And just how all- did that conversation work? Like, hey, excuse me, can you can you sit on my desk real quick? And Because <laughs> I just need to go to the bathroom. Right? Right, it was all- <laughs> It was awkward. I'd have to be like, hey, could you watch the phones? I just got to run to the bathroom. I just graduated from UPenn and I am sitting right. here. <laughs> right. And and my mom would always, and you know how parents are. They're like, I didn't send my baby to college. to Because <laughs> I, would, I would be um, complaining to her and crying and I didn't know what to do. And I ended up actually after about eight to nine months, I forget, but in that role, I, I, this was another turning point in my life. I actually ended up quitting. I walked away. I told, I I gave my, printed out my little resignation letter. And at the time I was applying for the Fulbright scholarship and and for all these different programs in London where I thought I was going to travel abroad and work. And I ended up getting rejected from all of them. So what happened is I quit my job and like it was, uh, like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong after that. So it was a real tough period in my life where I got some hard knocks and learned that, you know, you don't just pick up and quit your job, even if you hate it. It was an important experience for me to go through. But when I look back at it, I don't regret it because I'm proud of myself for standing up for myself and just being like, I don't, I actually don't have to take this. Yeah. I, w- I went to school and I don't have to take this. <laughs> so I want I want to dig deeper into that 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 moment. But question because I know what did it feel like at because how old were you when you quit? Were you twenty three, twenty four? 
24, yeah. So 24, and, and at that moment, you graduated from Penn. You you did what you were supposed to do. You went to college. You did that. You utilized programs. You networked your way and then you worked hard. And then you sit there like, yo, I am sitting here with no job, getting rejection letters from places. What is going on? Like, I didn't sign up for this. Like, when you when you saw, like, 18, when you f- took your first class at I Penn, think. you didn't think, like, so what went through your head? Because I know a lot of people are sitting here probably 24, 25 and they're like, they're in the point, they're like, yo, what, what is, what is going on? Like, this is not the, the live, this is not what I thought I was getting signed up for. Yep. Yeah. I think at that point, I, I had already accepted that post college life was a trap. <laughs> <laughs> I'd already accepted that, but I, I didn't quite know how to get out of the trap. Mm-hmm. I just knew that, all right, this was all a setup. Um, I wish I could go back to college. And at that moment, I was thinking, I need to do some soul searching. Like, I know this is cliche, but I need to figure out what I can do next and w- what my lane should be. So I I was at that moment, though, I was so happy to be free. Like, it was literally the amount of emotional abuse that i felt in that job like it felt like an like a abusive relationship what you could share like outside of the blinds what else i mean if you could share one uh, more story like it was well she was just oh yeah it's it's so long ago but she was just one of those really um abusive like verbally bosses verbally abusive in terms of like you know some people just don't care about your feelings and you have to learn that too like People come to do work and, and they're worried about if a project isn't completed correctly because their assistant messed it up, like they're just going to thrash you. And she was that type of person, but really unreasonable, too. So um, I remember there was like a time where um, it's hard to explain, but basically there was a project that I was assigned to like a, a tape or something that I needed to produce, but that is outsourced to an engineer. Mm-hmm. And so when I got it back and brought it to present to her, she was like disgusted with the quality as if I myself <laughs> could create it. Like I, we sent this to the engineer that you said we're supposed to send it to. And you're, you're like ripping into me because you just, don't like what the engineer did and that that didn't make any sense and um i I think it's really important to to practice self-care and um one thing another quote that i love is like if you don't like something you're not a tree move Mm, um i like that quote too yeah maybe you don't have to quit your job right away but find something else like you do not have to suffer under abusive managers because you think you need to do this to get to x place in your career like i do not subscribe to that mentality oh man so that that's that story in itself is crazy so when did you did you go get your mba right after that or like what was that so what's what's that transition Oh, no, I've been through loops and turns since then. So after that, because I was determined to soul search, but also to not just be a bum on my parents' couch, I got <laughs> a um a job, like a just a desk job at a realty firm. I was like answering calls and uh, it was a really easy job. You know, I left at four every day um, and I was going to a lot of happy hours, but I was also soul searching. So OK, so happy hour, <laughs> desk job, pen, and then your pen, because well, you were still at your parents' house then? Oh yeah, I was still okay. at my parents' house. I moved back to my parents' house. I started taking different classes. So I explored um public relations, writing, I explored photography even. I was like, well, maybe I like photojournalism. Um mm-hmm. I went to different um 
like uh, information sessions about journalism school. At one point, I thought I was going to go to the Medill School of Journalism and I started freelance writing. That's when I really started blogging um, because I had nothing but time on my hands after I got off work and I started chronicling like my mid-20s crisis. And through that, that led me to start um, writing for this this website, The Examiner, which I think it's now uh, folded, but that was my first freelance opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I started promoting myself on social media and little did I know that I was actually setting myself up for my next opportunity because about a year in, I was still at the realty job and I was like, whoa, I'm ready to get out of here. And I was looking for jobs, looking for jobs. And it wasn't until I heard about the job at Ideally that it all started, all the pieces started to come together. Like I'd actually been tweeting with my would-be boss for months, never realizing that's how funny, you know, God is, like how it all worked out. Like I, we had met via Twitter, never met in person, and she would be my next boss at Ideally, and it was just crazy. So that's where I went after MTV Realty Firm, then Ideally. Mm, and, w- and quick quick note, what is Ideally? So Ideally is an e-commerce flash sale site. It's kind of like Guilt.com or Groupon where you oh, get, yeah, 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 you yeah. get like high-end fashion things at like uh, a steal, and the sales are really quick. Um, it was, it was still a a relatively unknown startup, clearly still unknown, but (laughs) (laughs) at the time it was even more of a startup. I think it was two and a half years old when I started working for them. Uh And that was my first time working at a startup. So I went from big conglomerate to like a little startup in, in Soho. Mm -hmm. And so it was really cool because I got to learn a lot fast and do a lot because um, everyone was learning as we went along. And so that experience is where I really started my social media career. And after being at Ideally for about two years, though, I my boss had left. My boss that I loved and who brought me in had left. Mm-hmm. The The novelty of a, a startup started to wear off because I got tired of the disorganization and I was really looking for structure again and also a little bit more... Um, um, understanding of broader marketing, not just social media, because I wasn't sure where social media was going and if I would be just siloed into this gimmicky thing that went away. Mm -hmm. So that's what led me to apply for a broader marketing role. And and I ended up uh, transitioning to Georgetown in DC and I was brought on as the assistant director of marketing there doing like social media and more traditional forms like print and, and things like that. Yeah. So, okay. You're at Georgetown now. So why the big question, why the transition to the NBA? Like what, when did that seed get planted and why, why'd you chose to go to pursue that route? You know, the funny thing, that seed was actually already planted. So I, I lucked out because around the time that I was leaving, well, when I was determined to leave ideally, I was also finally looking into B school seriously. Like I thought about getting my MBA before, but I'd always shied away from it because I was scared to death of quant. I had avoided quant with everything in my soul in college. Like I took like the one, one <laughs> quant requirement we had to take. And then I went back on my merry way to the College of Arts and Sciences and never thought about math again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so 
every time I would think about the NBA, I was like, oh, that sounds, I don't know. I don't know if I could do it. But then finally, I started, I, I reached a point in my life where I was past my mid-20s crisis and I was mature enough to realize, okay, I am very creative and I, I feel really strong about my my talents there in, 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 in far, as far as like creative concepting and coming up with robust ideas for campaigns. But I don't know as much about the business side. Like I don't know how to even begin calculating return on investment. So mm-hmm. I started thinking seriously about MBA. I joined MLT right before I got the job at Georgetown. So I went into my job at Georgetown knowing that I was probably going to leave in a, in exactly a year to go get my MBA. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and it worked out though with the timing because if I if I had switched mid MLT, um I I would look crazy to admissions officers. So it worked out that um you know, I had switched before joining like right before and um it was it it, it was something that was always in my mind like okay, this is this is something I feel like I need to do in my career. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then, then you go to the Arctic code of Michigan. <laughs> right. So like, so to walk <laughs> us through, through Michigan and then, um, and then I know you did consortium too. Cause I know if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know about that. But like we talked about earlier before this podcast, we, I don't want to take anything for granted. And cause there's programs out there to help you out with tuition and all these other things. So can you just qu- briefly walk us through your sure. decision to go through to Michigan and, um, uh, I guess a key takeaway from that and then how'd you, how'd you fund it? So, um, one thing I forgot to mention is, even though I was at Georgetown, the, one of the key reasons that I wanted to go get my MBA besides, you know, marrying like my creative side with more uh, firm business understanding is I felt like I, a lot of marketing and especially social media marketing was trial and error. And I felt like I was teaching myself and I had no background whatsoever in marketing frameworks. Like before I started looking at, at business school, I'd never heard of the four P's and all that other stuff. Um, that is just marketing, uh, true marketers. No. So I started realizing like, no, I really want to study, study marketing, not just learn from fast company articles. So <laughs> <laughs> or Gary Vaynerchuk. Company is great, but I'm saying so. All that aside, I through MLT management. I don't know if we broke down MLT, but management leadership for tomorrow MBA's prep, MBA prep program. They really emphasize that you research and visit as many schools as possible, so you are making an educated decision, and you're not just um, you know going off of just like uh, cursory research. Like you're really talking to people at the schools, visiting to shadow their experience. So I went in to MLT knowing a little bit about Michigan, but not as much. But then when I started researching marketing programs, it rose to the top um, in terms of what I was looking for, like a, a mixture of the traditional marketing, mm-hmm. but also a, a school that was like really versed, well-versed in digital and social media. And at the time, one of my former colleagues at MTV was actually studying at Michigan. So I would see his experiences on Facebook. Like, <laughs> you know, he was doing a consulting project in India. He worked for Apple, interned for Apple over the summer. And I was like, he's doing everything I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> that, that 
that should be my life. <laughs> so I reached out to him to learn more. Um, he suggested I come to visit during their um, up close um, prospective student weekend. So I went to that and that weekend was a pivotal uh moment in my decision because I met, first of all, I met a lot of my would-be classmates. So I got to really feel what it would be like to attend Ross. Um, I went and survived the cold because this weekend is in October, but it was, it was already bitter cold because it's Michigan Mm -hmm. and I survived. (laughs) And I just, I got a lot of my questions answered and I, I was like, this is, I, I could start to see it as a program that was for me, but I still didn't know at that time, right? Because you still have to apply. You don't mm-hmm. know where you'll end up. Um, but ended up applying. I applied through the consortium. So the consortium is a body that is devoted to increasing the um, number of minorities in the upper ranks of business and inclu- increasing specifically the number of Black, uh, Latino, and Native American people getting their MBA. So that is the sole focus of consortium. And what it does, the organization is it provides a certain number of full tuition scholarships for people who are within these underrepresented minority groups each year to go to business school, to, to the schools that are part of the consortium. So there are about 19 schools that are part of the consortium Michigan is one. You have Georgetown. You have NYU Stern. Um, you know, they, it spans the gamut, like West Coast, Midwest, mm-hmm. East Coast. And once I started looking into Michigan, because I knew it was a consortium school, I definitely wanted to apply for the consortium and put my name in the hat for that full tuition scholarship. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> As, you know, hard work and luck and blessings would have it. I got that full tuition scholarship. So I actually um, went to school, went to get my MBA in a full tuition scholarship fellowship. Oh, man, that's that's fantastic. That's that's that is that's the American dream right there. That's a, yeah. a big turnaround from being 24 and like no job, no opportunities. And it's like right. what's going on or working at that retail desk. Goodness gracious. Yeah, that does. So I guess to um to to fast forward. So present day. OK, you graduate from. Oh, no, 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 no. You graduated from your MBA. Oh, I forgot. We let's let's go back to that experience. All right. So we graduated <laughs> from Michigan. It was the, 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 the experience of your life. Yeah, I see online you had an internship with Google. I mean, things are looking up. It's like, yo, I got my I got my U Penn. I got Princeton. We I mean, I got Princeton. I got Michigan. We on the way right now. Then what yeah. happened? Um, <laughs> right, right. That's what I was asking myself. <laughs> so I, um, and, and through the consortium too, another thing I forgot to mention is you also get to go to a pre MBA orientation program. So in June, before you start your MBA, everyone from all the different consortium schools gets together and you have a week long stretch of activities, both to um, get everyone to know each other. And also you have that early, early stab at recruiting for your full-time, oh, sorry, for your summer internship. So I actually interviewed for my summer internship the June before I got even got to school, mm-hmm. right? And I interviewed with a number of companies. Um, some went well, some did not go well. <laughs> <laughs> and I interviewed for Google um, at Consortium OP as well. 
ended up getting the offer. I interviewed for a marketing role and a ad sales role and I got the offer for the ad sales role. So it was crazy because going into MBA, I already had my summer internship, you know, and I could just focus on my academics. So, you know, fast forward to the summer of 2014, I interned at Google out in Mountain View and I I thought it went well. I mean, there were, there were, there were things about it that I didn't enjoy. For example, I didn't enjoy Mountain View at all. I did, I did not enjoy uh, the lack of color out there. And, you know, it was just, um, you definitely see a lack of diversity. So that I did not enjoy. But for the most part, I, um, you know, put my all into it, like worked really hard, uh, got good mid midsummer review and 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 post summer review for my boss and all of that, but they don't tell you if you get the offer right away. So I find out in October, I found out that I actually didn't get the full time offer, and to this day I don't really know what were <laughs> the um, conditions that led up to that. It could have been you have to pick which location you want to be in, and and um, you have a better chance of getting the offer if you pick the location you interned in, whereas I picked a different location. So all sorts of factors, but you know that's spill milk. No sense uh, going back to look into that. But what I will say is, I was so shocked and so lost at that moment because when you get the offer for your summer internship before you go to school, the bad part about that is you aren't as inclined to recruit when you're on campus. Mm -hmm. So I completely skipped that recruiting process and I didn't know where to begin my second year. And I also didn't want to begin because one, I was dejected from Google and two, there there was no other uh, company I was really interested in because the one thing about MBA is like there are these boxes and I didn't really fit in any one of these boxes. Like the people who don't, you know, want to do brand management or consulting or finance or even entrepreneurship. By the time I wasn't even exploring entrepreneurship or tech, um, the, the tech bucket too was still something I didn't directly fit into because I was a marketer at the core. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to be a product manager or something like that. Um, so because I didn't fit into any of those boxes, I didn't even know where to begin recruiting. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to go to Barcelona. I'm studying abroad. And, I'm <laughs> think about this. and that's exactly what I did. I went my second semester, studied abroad in Barcelona, traveled around Europe, ate my way through Europe. And my way through Europe. Yeah. Decided that I'm going to think about this later because I don't know where to begin. Um, So ended up graduating without a job. I had begun interviewing when I got back to Ross. So I was there for all of April and I began going on interviews. I slid myself into the brand management bucket because I didn't know where what else aligned with my interests, but wasn't too thrilled about it, like knew in my core that I just wasn't. I just couldn't see myself as a assistant brand manager, management, uh, assistant brand manager at any of those um, consumer product goods companies. So I graduated without a job, moved back to D.C. with my then boyfriend, now fiance, Moyo, and um, really, really blessed that I had his support at the time because it was a dark period where I felt really just, like I said, dejected and not quite sure what went wrong? You know, why was I graduating with an MBA and no job? Mm-hmm. And I know it had to be a difficult because, you know, 
and these programs. It's not like you're doing it by yourself. It's just not online. You got colleagues that are like, yo, I just boom, they popping by. It's like, yo, yeah, this, this, right. this, it is like, oh, so what's going on? What you doing? It's like, um, I'm just, <laughs> right, right, I'm right. just you got to make up like some some cats come up. Well, sure, I don't know, I don't know how you. I mean, I, I want to get to person, but how'd you how'd you answer that question? Like, yo, so what's up? What'd you say? Right, right. So. Yeah, that was the thing too. Like it was, it was hard. That's another reason I just went abroad because it was hard dealing with all of that. With as soon as you get back to school, your second year, everyone's talking about, did you get the offer? What are you doing? What are you doing? Cause you know, people, yeah. most people don't have conversation skills anyway. So that Especially was. Especially the NBA cast. It's like, it's like, what in the world? And then you like, and then if you're like, hey, you know, like, hey, you know, you know, the Kelly, she didn't get that Google job in the whole school. No, it's like, oh, then you're the black sheep in the school now. Right. That was the. <laughs> default question and i was just so tired of it and yet at that time i was still dealing with processing my own feelings so i felt a lot of shame about it and i didn't want to tell anyone and um my and so stephanie thomas was actually my roommate at ross the the one who um was the episode three guest on my own podcast that i talked about so she would always tell me just own it like own your story this is this this doesn't it's not a reflection on you as a person and all this other stuff. But I wasn't there yet mentally. I was just like, I think initially it was hard to deflect because they actually hadn't gotten back to us. So through October, I was able to say, oh, I don't know yet. Oh, I haven't heard yet. And then after October, I forgot what I was saying. I would <laughs> yes answers, man. Like, uh, what was it? Oh, I would just blame it on... Um, you know, I wanted to be in on the East Coast and they didn't give me the offer because it, it could only be on the West Coast so, or something. But mo- for most people, I didn't really directly say I didn't get the offer. And then um, after a while, people just stopped asking me. So I figured the word got around. <laughs> so I guess <laughs> one, one question, though, for yeah. our listeners out there that that are in a situation where you may be unemployed right now or underemployed uh-huh. or, or or got dejected for something and people know yeah. about it. Like, what would you say to yourself right then and there and knowing what you know now? Yeah. Knowing what I know now, I would actually say I would think I would say Stephanie was absolutely right. You need to own your story. Um, and as soon as I started owning it, that's when things started happening for me. As soon as I started to say that, um, you know, I was looking for other opportunities and X, Y, Z because um, this didn't work out, like own your story. And once I own my story, I also really accepted that I, I knew the role wasn't right for me. Like I knew I hated ad sales. Like Moyo would say that to me all the time. Like, but you didn't even want this job. <laughs> cause he, we, we moved out to Mountain View together. He was with me for the summer, you know, cause he's an entrepreneur, can work from anywhere. And he saw me day in and day out, like just dreading my project, dreading going to work, even though it was this, you know, big name company. I did not like the work that I was doing. So once you let go of your ego, and stop allowing your ego to to let you hold on to these failures, then you can start to 
see what you really should be doing. You know, like my vision was blocked because I thought like I, I need to I need to get another role so I could tell people that I do. I am actually going to work for Google. And it was just my ego just blocking my blessings. Hey, amen. 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 So fast forward now to present day. And I, yes. now, now we can talk a little bit about um, Side Hustle Pro. And then first, I guess, segue into um NPR and then why even why did you even go in to say podcast and let me start my own podcast like where did this even come about um so that came about again as I was um searching for my next full-time role I started blogging again I, I started um blogging first just to talk about things in the industry in marketing and then I realized oh this is boring even me I don't, I don't I'm not <laughs> interested in this I want to talk to people I love learning about people's stories and how they were able to uh, overcome failure challenges and, and to get to where they are now. So I started interviewing people on my blog. And once I got my full-time role, I continued to do it. Like I realized, man, I'm never going to let go of my blog again. I did it for MBA. And now that I'm doing it again, I realized that this, this awakened something in me that just that I just love. So I was interviewing people. And after a while, because I was asking questions about their life and questions that require deep thought, the interviews were getting really long. And there were times when I had to cut edit down people's answers. And I hated doing that because I feel like that took away the essence mm -hmm. of what they said. And I realized you know what? People aren't reading this. <laughs> like, <laughs> all this work that I'm putting in, people don't read anymore. You know, like it, it got to be 140 characters or less. So what can I do to get these stories out there in a way that people will consume? And um, that's when I thought about podcasts because I started listening to podcasts more and more. And I realized like, oh, I think I want to start my own. And so that's how that came about. Mm, got you, got you, got you. And why specifically the side hustle? Yes. So the side hustle specifically came about because, first of all, that is the life I'm living, right? Like mm -hmm. I work nine to five, but then I have these um, passions that cannot be um, nurtured with just my nine to five because I'm doing something that someone else is mandating. So the side hustle came about naturally from what I was doing. But then I was also meeting so many other people. Like everyone has a side hustle. Like there, there are few people you meet who don't have a side hustle these days. And I wanted to talk about these people who are doing this, specifically black women. Because when I think about side hustle, a side hustle to me is not just something you're doing on the side to make, you know, a quick coin. A side hustle to me is something that is a business that you're developing and it's not ready, you know, you, you're not ready to leave your full time yet because it's not profitable or making you enough each month to pay all your bills. But that's the level you want it to get to. So I wanted to shine a light on these stories because the narrative of entrepreneurship is usually about white men. And I'm tired of hearing about white men entrepreneurs when there's so many black women business owners out there who've been doing it for years and yes. they don't get included in that conversation. Um, so I was unabashedly ready to focus on my sisters only. And I am not ashamed of that. <laughs> amen. 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 So, so with that being said, first of all, what is your side hustle? Is your side so, hustle podcast or what's your side hustle? 
So my side hustle is freelance writing and podcasting. And I do have um, another business idea that I'm building up from there. But um, for now, it is the podcast and it is my freelance writing. Ah, got you, got you. And thus far, because I know you're 12 episodes in, mm-hmm. what are some nuggets you learned thus far in this podcasting space? So some nuggets I've learned so far. Um, you mean as far as technical or just... Just, uh, just for- more so just business-wise or just top things like that. Not, not even going into the tech spot, but just like in general, because I mean, you interviewed some amazing, amazing guests. Like I couldn't right. put down my, my, my pad. First of all, I have to congratulate you on your, your interview skills because uh, Think and Grow Rich Chick, man, that interview, I was like, God, I was so jealous. I was like, why don't... I'm, <laughs> I'm like, man, it take like... I would just be having conversations like you were getting, okay, what 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 were you making like this? Da, 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 how you do that? I was like, bruh, if I could just get a chip of, of how she interviews and, and mix it with me, I would be, I would just be grade A. Because yeah, sometimes I'm like, and it's funny because a lot of people mention that episode is like just me hitting with the right questions. But I also think it was a function of Courtney because she is just so on it. Like her, she is just succinct and she knows her stuff. So that, 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 that is the key. The right as a, guest. As a yeah. podcaster, if you have a guest that's used to this space and used yeah. to, okay, they know I'm going to get, I'm gonna, okay, I'm going to share my story, but I'm going to get X, Y, and Z and I'm going to yeah. do this. It just, it makes, it makes your job easy. But then right. there's some that just, you're just trying to, you're trying to turn it and you won't turn it like, dang. When you're 45 minutes in, it's like, this is cool, but we ain't dropping bombs like that interview. I was like, what is you? You was in here like, De- like Deion said. I was like, yo, every question was like, boom, 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 boom. I was like, man, this is crazy. This is too much. I had to listen to it She's again. She's on it. She's on it. But yeah, and sometimes I want it to be more conversational. I'm like, is this too like job interview? It's just question answer, question answer. So it's a flow that I'm developing um, for sure. Sure. And business wise, my guests have really just highlighted for me the need and, and the real, the true, the true value of the Side Hustle Pro podcast is empowering women to, to know that they can do it and empowering anyone really who wants to listen. But I realize that the key thing that holds a lot of us back is just fear, just fear, just not feeling like, um, like we are good enough to do something or smart enough. And I'm meeting women who had less resources than some of us do that are scared and they still did it and they're still making it work. And so the biggest lesson in business that I've learned is you just got to do it. You, you just have to take a chance and get better as you go. And because no matter who you are, someone has done it with less. Amen, amen, amen. And who's your support group along the way? Because I know, um, in, in each chapter of your life, I don't, I don't know if we ever gave them enough shine. But do you have, a, especially now, people that support you in your corner? And then how'd you kind of find them? Oh yeah. Oh, thank you for bringing this up because I would definitely would not be where I am without my support system. So, uh, you know, we, we're just gonna start off with the with the big man, God. Uh-huh. First. <laughs> um, he's definitely looked out for me. And then my parents, my parents, um, as, you know, as much as they emphasize education and making sure that I, 
did everything that I was supposed to do and have this good, stable job, they also allowed me to pursue things my way and supported me along the way. Like when I graduated without a job and there was one time I was really down on myself, I actually went home for like a month just to hang out with my parents and catch up. And I was just home talking to my dad one day and, you know, just kind of feeling down. And he was just like, you know, I believe in you, baby. Like, it's okay. Lots of people, you know, don't have jobs right away. Like it's a, it's a tough, um, you know, job climate out there, like you'll be mm-hmm. fine. And just having that support, like always just knowing that my parents love me no matter what, um, has, is, it just gives me so much strength. And then of course my sisters who, and my brother, like I look up to my older siblings. That's basically who shaped the way for me. And, um, it's funny now as I grow, when I do things like start, start this podcast and they're so proud of me, it makes me, it, it's weird because I, I admire them so much that when they're proud of me, it makes me feel extra special. Like, wow, <laughs> like these people that I look up to are, are proud of me and, and, and think I'm doing something. Um, when I, I, meanwhile, I'm just trying to catch up with them. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then of course, um, my fiance Moyo, you know, like he, first of all, held me down when I had no job. Uh-huh. <laughs> I came back with, I brought nothing to the table. <laughs> <laughs> nothing at all. And, um, you know, he, he never made me feel less than either. And it's because it's funny because our business school experiences, um, in some ways, um, paralleled each other in, yeah. in terms of he also he, he he had a job when he graduated but it was very hard and he experienced the same thing with like you know um, just not fitting in the box quite the way you're supposed to so his support he's he's definitely like the biggest cheerleader for me in terms of like being like what are you talking about of course you can do this you you got this like always in my ear and I actually think about um his words a lot when I when I start to doubt myself i actually hear his voice a lot um oh man that's so lovely man yeah <laughs> like that is lovely stuff <laughs> i think about what he would say you know if if i was to have just repeated the self-defeating thought that i just said to myself i think about what moyo would say and it, it usually um just gets me to a better place so um my support system in that way and then my friends and my classmates like i have friends who you ever just, I'm sure you, you experience this too, where you might feel like you're failing because you're probably comparing yourself to someone else. But there are people in my life who just think that I am like the bomb and no matter what, I'm going to succeed. Like I know. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, every, every, uh, every day. <laughs> I, I don't ever see, I'm like, oh, I'm a failure, but I'll be like, yo, I'm, I'm always like, I got more levels than everybody else is like, like I'm the best thing since sliced bread. Like, you're that and i'm like what are you talking about but having those friends in my corner like my best friends and my classmates at ross and my roommates at ross especially like that definitely kept me going because when you know people believe in you and when you when you start to lose faith in yourself you're like there's a reason people believe in me you know mm-hmm. and actually one of the things i did um, not to get too long-winded about this, but one of the things I did when I was looking for a job, I, I sent out a survey to all my close friends and asked them what they thought my strengths were, my gifts, my challenges, all this other stuff to start to shift my thinking about where I should, I should be post MBA. And the responses I got to that, it was completely anonymous, but it was just eye-opening. Like, wow, like, wow, you think that of me? Um, 
So I suggest anybody do that when they feel low about themselves. <laughs> that's, 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 that's really real. Like, so you suggest getting a group of like five to 10 individuals? Yeah, I sent it out to about maybe 20 people oh, and, and maybe a lot like, of friends. Good. Great. <laughs> I, I needed all of, I needed all the inspiration. I was like, tell me, you know, when, what's the time that you've seen me really shine doing a project and all this other stuff. So I could really, cause I was going to all these interviews. I wanted to be able to speak to, um, achievements that maybe I was forgetting too. Man, honestly, that would be a good opt-in or something or something like that that you can create for people because i know there's a lot of people in the world that now if they because they're like okay what would i send my friends and i mean i mean i'm even thinking like shoot that'd be that just uh, just off the head, top of the head that'd just be yeah. a good document to have like uh oh here's a question you should have or blah, blah i don't know just in the future that's just, just okay. i don't know that's yeah. random but um <laughs> But yeah, so that, and that, and I think that speaks to, and I think you talked about it throughout the, the podcast, the, the speaks to the fact of having a, or finding a community that supports you. Like, don't, don't try to do this thing alone at all. Mm-mm. Because whatever, because it just is all, it's, you have all this stuff in society or in music or whatnot, like, oh man, people are backstabbers, people are this, people are that. I just got to get out how I live, whatever. Well, people are around you in that space will find another space, whether it's school, whether it's your dance class, whether it's a fraternity, warning, whatever. But just do your due diligence, especially if you're in a rut right now, to find a space, a safe space, a church, whatever. So you can be around other people because I, it gets really, 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 really dark if it's just you and a couple other people or just yourself trying to battle through something. Right. And, and like, it could be tempting, but you also cannot seek comfort in other people who are complaining and going through something bad because y'all just going to depress each other and <laughs> drag each other down. Yeah. And our last question, uh, one, I wanted to talk about side hustle. How do you select your guests? And, uh, and for the ones that you have reached out to, especially via your blog, you reached out to some pretty high profile people. So how did, how have you been uh, able to kind of navigate that? Yeah. So I, when I first started thinking about guests, I made a list of like everybody who I knew of that was inspiring to me, who, um, some I knew for sure were had scaled to like full-time entrepreneurship. Some I, w- I wasn't sure of like Courtney. Um, I wasn't actually, I wasn't sure, but I knew she was doing well because she publishes her income reports and, and, and I had a feeling she was close to full-time entrepreneurship. So that process is a matter of, um, looking up people's information, like either some people have been from my personal network from, uh, Michigan or Penn, um, and them I can just reach out to directly, but I also want to expand it out from my personal network. So I do a lot of cold emailing and some people I've met at conferences. Some people have just Googled their email addresses or, or email their contact form, their uh, contact address on their website. Um, some people haven't responded, but most people have actually, I would say 95% of people have responded. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sometimes even though they've responded, it's hard to get a date on the calendar because they're, they're, they're grinding. Like they don't have time. But my process there is just 
go for it. Even the highest profile person, um, go for it. And my pitch has gotten better with time. That's one thing I'm thinking about releasing is just like my actual emails to people that have worked. Because when it, when I first started out, it was like, Hey, I'm starting this podcast. So it wasn't as compelling, but now I include things like, you know, um, debuted in the top 20 in iTunes, currently in the top 50 in business, things like that. And then I include links, um, information about past guests so they can see the caliber of people that have stopped by the show. And I think that makes it um, um, more appealing to for guests. So it's, it's just putting myself out there. Mm. I love that. I love that. I love that. That's just kind of, and, and plus, like you said, once you start, you kind of notice different trends, know what works, what doesn't work and continue to go from there. So what's the future of side hustle pro man, before we end the present round? The future of Side Hustle Pro, I would like to build out a full scale uh, program around it. So not just a podcast, but a curriculum of uh, Side Hustle, um, like a, a ABC kind of guide. And, and uh, either it could be like a challenge or a full scale course. I haven't decided yet, but definitely building more curriculum around different subtopics. Because one thing about the podcast is it doesn't um, allow you, I guess if I want it to be it could just be focused on marketing or just focused on you know like um legal aspects but i i want to keep it broad for now so having a curricula would allow me to um branch out and and deep dive into each of these topics a little bit more Mm -hmm. definitely want to do some live events um because there's nothing better than connecting with people in person like i i've gotten my greatest inspirations and and bursts of energy just being in the room with other entrepreneurial women so i want to do that for my listeners as well and then um retreats i have a goal Right now, I think of it as a 2018 goal just because I'm getting married in 2017 and mm-hmm. just a lot on the plate. Uh-huh. But um, I have a goal of having a retreat. And so we can go to like an island, um, probably Jamaica, and take a, a, you know, step away from, from the real grind of, of corporate America and really hash out goals and, and teachings and things like that. So that's what's on my radar. Mm. And how do you balance all all of that? Because I know you're heading into 2017. You're about mm-hmm. to get married. You got a full time job. You got a side hustle, and you're creating side hustles from that side hustle. Yes. So it's a lot of different things. So and then also too, I, I know you're pretty active. So you you believe in I think eating right, right? Yes. Yeah. And working out and whatnot. So what is what is your one key? And not to say not to say you're balancing all perfectly, but what is your <laughs> one key to maintaining some type of organizational flow? Uh, my one key, hmm. it's hard to say one thing because you're right. I gotta definitely be one am, thing. Right. I, I, it's <laughs> definitely not a perfect balance, but uh, a couple things is so when it comes to balance, um, I try to make sure that I don't I don't sacrifice something that's really, really important for important to me for the sake of side hustling or even my full time job, for example. So that for me is fitness. Like fitness is something that I go up and down with. But um, recently I've just decided to I pl- I hashed out what I want it to look like. And for me, I've made it 
um, realistic so that it fits into my life. But then I do not break that appointment with myself. Like I know on Mondays I'm doing cardio. I know on Wednesdays, Fridays I'm doing strength training and that appointment is, is I'm not going to scratch it off because I forgot to edit last night. Like, no, I need to get my editing done because I know I got that appointment with myself. So prioritizing myself is um, something that is a key. And then two, uh, this is actually something I just spoke about with a guest on the show. It's treating your side hustle like you would your main hustle, like setting office hours, setting time away that you're going to do X, Y, Z. Batch processing has been huge for me. So each day of the week is devoted to something different. So um, for example, on Mondays is when I usually record my solo episode. On I, I, I only interview people on Sundays and Tuesdays now. That has been extremely helpful for me to get into a flow. So then I can edit on the other days. I could craft social media messages on the other days. So figuring out what works for you and then sticking to that schedule is huge. I love using Asana, A-S-A-N-A for that. Um, it keeps me completely like organized with my project management. So you have to get organized is the big key for me. And then you have to stick to your appointments with yourself. You have to treat it like a real job. And jewel after jewel after jewel. I love that. I love that. So when it's all said and done, personally, how do you want to be remembered? Ah, <laughs> I know. I, I always do that transition. It's just like yeah. so, like zero to one hundred. But it's like yeah. that, that just that, that just always culminates the wrap of the future. Right. That's the big and even future. though you hear it, you're just never quite ready to <laughs> share that. Um, I want to be remembered as someone who contributed something valuable to this world. Like I want someone to say I was inspired to go after my dream or create the life that I want and not just the life that other people have told me to live uh, because I listened to Side Hustle Pro or because I talked to Nikayla or because I spent time with her. And it doesn't have to be, you know, Side Hustle Pro because life will evolve and, and who knows, you know, what I'll be doing in a year or two. So it's not limited to that. But I definitely want to leave an impact on this world. Um, when I think of people who, who, are impactful and, and who I would like to be like. They're, they're always people who they make everyone they come in contact with feel important and feel special. And I too, I don't, I don't think I'm there yet, but I would like to, to make people feel that way. Mm, I love that. And why do you feel like you're not there yet though? Um, um I think that, <laughs> well, one, I got to get quicker at responding to emails. I just, <laughs> I'm going through, I'm just going through a phase where I really, I think it's because I'm drowning at work and I'm drowning in my personal inbox. And so I've come to just dread the email process, um, like never before. But, um, <laughs> once I can get that back up into a flow, I think people will definitely feel important. But, um, so I'm not there yet in terms of, um, figuring out how to, Give time to other people while still prioritizing myself, because I think sometimes I know I want to give everyone time. I want to make I want to sure you reach out to me. Can we talk for 30 minutes? Yeah, I want to do that. And yeah, I want to do that. But then you realize uh, sometimes you look around and all your your time that could be used for um, writing a new blog post or visualizing and brainstorming for your business is gone because you, you, you gave it all away to other people. Mm, yeah, nah, that's 
That's real right there. That's that's real advice. And it's like, it's, it's definitely a battle though when you're 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 in the beginning stages yeah. of stuff because you feel inclined to like spend every second answering every LinkedIn message, uh, replying to every single email, and doing that because people have legitimate questions that yeah. they, they would love to answer. And it's like you you wish for this moment where people would seek you out for advice. Yes. <laughs> and now that you get there, now we get like, oh, I'm just busy right now. Life is just happening. It's like, <laughs> and I always sadly I think about the time when. And even to this day, when I send, when I do cold emails to people and they don't reach back, or when I, when I first started, when I was naive to realize that you have to give before you can receive, I would ask people, I was just cold email Les Brown, like, yo, I'm a motivational speaker, whatever. <laughs> like, what can you, what tips can you give me? Or how do you do this? And now when I see people do it, a part of me is like, dude, like, first of all, I, I don't know you from anything. You haven't even shown that you have right. any interest in what I do. And you ask me a question. So I'm like, what are you doing? But then I was like, yo, gee. <laughs> Look at your email five years ago, dog. Like, so I'm like, dang, what should I do? What should I do? But that, but I think that's why I, I, I thank you for getting introduced to you because you sent, you are, and I think you're going to be ahead of the curve by, if people are asking you that, produce content that they can buy or purchase or whatever, or blog, whatever, something that they can, you can refer them to to answer that question instead of you just taking time out here to do it. Yeah. And, and, and that's something too that, um, someone recommended to me too, like just pointing people to information first. Cause a lot of times people want to talk when maybe you've written a blog post about it or someone else has written about it. Like, why don't you point them to that first and then see what are the questions they have after that? And, and that helps them to get organized in their head too. Or, or at least if you have a basic question, be like, well, let's see, I, I enjoyed episode eight where y'all talked about X, Y, and Z. Quick question. Like, just hit, 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 hit me with something to make you feel yeah. like, oh, wow. Like, okay, you, you right. get something from me. <laughs> well, like, if you want to pitch to be a guest on the show, just don't yeah. say, hey, I want to be, oh, I'll, I'll be a guest on the show because of X, Y, Z, da, 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 yeah. make it easy. Right. Do something. Because I also don't want to feel like my time is wasted. Like some people just want to um, shoot the breeze and have to <laughs> help them figure out their life. I'm like, I, I'm still figuring out my life. Like I cannot help you figure out your life. Ask me a specific question. <laughs> and just put put some respect on them emails. And just like just real like real talk. And I and I t- I have to learn myself every day because some days it's like and I and I just try to treat everything or everybody like okay boom like I'm like I'm talking to Oprah like because yeah. just. I don't know. I don't know. That's a rant, but that's it. Neither did it. So let's get to the culture change round. I got five questions. I mixed them up a little bit from what I usually ask, but I got core, but I got some other ones. So you ready to rock? I'm ready. All right. I start off with an easy one. What What is the best piece of advice you ever received? The best piece of advice I ever received was, um, no one's going to give you power. You have to take it. Mm, and that, that sound like a black feminist quote. Like, <laughs> that just like, no, 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 no. That sound like some. <laughs> that was actually from, and he was really cool too. He loved Jamaica. So he, he, he loved me. Like if this was a, um, a person at MTV and he told me that because he actually told me that and giving me advice for how to deal with that really tough manager that I had. Um, because he was like, you know what? You think that some like fairy godmother is going to swoop in and, and solve all your problems or give you respect, you know, or say you should really respect Michaela. Like, no, you have to treat, teach people how to treat you and go after what you want. Like, go, go through life as if you are going to get what you want. You're going to work for it and you're going to get it. 
Mm, I love that. So next time somebody sent like a, a, a person I even like, but they say, Greg, can you speak for X, Y, and Z? And it ain't the rate. I'm like, no, I just can't do it because Nikhila Matthew said, got to own that power. And I'm just going <laughs> to just refer you to all the questions to you. I love yeah. that. Um, you have to take one person out for coffee. Who would it be and why? If I had to take one person out for coffee. Or mm-hmm. you can meet, not take them out, like, but you got to get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, it would have to be Michelle Obama. I am, I'm still really confused why I have not met the Obamas yet. Like <laughs> it was on my vision board many years ago. <laughs> the bloggers that had that ran that course for 197 promised that you would reach all your goals on that vision board. Like, right, right. They promised, but no, really I want to talk to Michelle because, or Mrs. Obama, because I have so much respect for her as someone who is in a very, very um, public and tough position. And the the amount of grace she carries under pressure is something I aspire to. And I also think that she, you can tell she is really comfortable in her skin and in her power. And that's something I respect a great deal. And I would just love to talk to her about what she she went through to get to this point in her life where she feels this confident and comfortable despite all the nasty things that are said about her and about her family. Yeah, I just it's going to be interesting over the next ten years. God willing, it continues to stay alive. That uh, that what Michelle does, man, because she yeah. when she gets out of office, she has an avenue to really do whatever. Like, right? I mean, I know she got some books in the work. She's gonna be a hundred, hundred fifty, two hundred a pop to come speak. I mean, yeah. she could really throw her hat into the the presidential game. Like, it's gonna be interesting. I know. And they're staying in D.C., so I'm really just waiting for us to bump into each other. <laughs> I, I, all right. What is your biggest fear? Hmm. What do I fear these days? I, I mean, on a personal level, it's 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 always going to be losing someone I love. Um, but on a non just, you know, in life in general level, I think my fear is maybe not realizing or letting letting something silly stop me from going after my dream, like just giving up when I was this close to achieving something. Um, I don't know. I can't. I can't really think of any other fear that I have at this moment. Nah, that's a big enough fear. I think that's everybody. It's like, well, <laughs> is my unwillingness to post this graphic online or something silly like sharing a Facebook post that maybe five people might see. Is yeah. that really going to hold me back from doing a retreat like, right. or sending out an email list? Nobody replies the first email. And that's going to be like, let me just cancel the retreat. Nobody's coming. <laughs> it's like you just sent the first email out. Like you didn't even get to the to the to the right. real buy in and you just nope, nobody's coming. So counting yourself out. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a real fear. That's a real fear. So um, <clears throat> if you were given fifty thousand dollars, what is the first thing you would do? Hmm. If I was given $50,000 um, at this stage, well, <laughs> if you would have talked to me last year, I would have said more things about invest in my business. <laughs> at this stage, I'll probably throw a chunk of that at the wedding <laughs> if I'm being real. <laughs> But no, honestly, um, I would love to invest that into the the goals I have because that would make the retreat come to fruition that much faster. It would make um, me able to hire some help to handle side hustling that much um, better. And probably, um, yeah, I think 50000 is not enough to like say, oh, you know, I'm a... <laughs> my parents a house and take care of them for life. But that is my ultimate goal and, and what success would mean to me. 
Mm, that's great. And this is a question you know in there, but I want to ask. But if you had a chance to add people to your side, because I know you mentioned um, maybe hire some people to help you with side, side employees, though, what would you hire them to do? I would hire uh, some virtual assistants to um, do things that take up time that, you know, I enjoy. It's just that it takes up a lot of time. For example, making social media graphics, you know, I take time out and make those uh, uh, in bulk on like weekends because, you know, I don't want to be doing that while I'm at work. I'm, I'm completely plugged in while I'm at work. So things like that, managing the inbox, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, need some help there. Um, editing, like I'm a one woman show when it comes to the podcast. So if I could get an editor who I could just toss those episodes to after the <laughs> recording's done, life would be, I would have so many more hours in my week. But so, you know, I'll get there. I'm not at that point yet where I'm, I'm ready to, to pay regular employees, but I would love to get there and I will get there eventually. Amen. Amen. And the last question this round is, if you're the president of the United States, what is the first thing you would do? If I was the president of the United States, I would make some serious, serious changes in our gun policies because I'm just so tired of um, I think after Newtown, um, I, I remember where I was when I learned about that shooting. I was actually off from work on my couch sick. And I just remember bawling tears. And it's, it's incredible to me that what two years later, nothing has changed. Um, no laws have been enacted and people are just like going about their business. Um, so there are a lot of different things and, and policy issues that are going to take. I don't know when they'll be resolved, but that's one that really makes me sick in, in my in my in my heart. Like just thinking about um, those kids. Um, I follow one of the parents, one of the moms of the little black girl who perished, um, who was killed in that. And I, I don't know why. I just I feel like it would be disrespectful to unfollow. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not laughing at this situation. I'm not laughing at this. Be like, oh, this page is too sad. Like this, this actually happened to her. And so I think about her. I think about that little girl. And I don't know. It just it just sticks with me. Yeah. Dang. That's deep, man. That is, that is it's crazy. To this day, it's like nothing really big has happened. Nothing. Gonna, and this, it's, this every every year now you can count on it. Sadly, yeah. At least two things. At least two. Yep. So, um, as, sorry. As, to end on that note. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Dang, but no, no, no. We got, we got one more question. But I always in my question uh, in the show off on a real piece because I know I call myself the culture change agent, and I don't trademark that because we're all culture change agents in a sense. So. And the last question I would use every single show, if you had one wish, right? Mm-hmm. If you could change one thing about society, most specifically our African-American culture, what would it be and why? If I could change one thing about our African-American culture, I would just want us all to stick together and understand that we're all one like we all originated from the same place so stop this like colorism divide mm-hmm. this immigrant divide you know between um american black and african or i west indian um when people see us walking down the street we're all the same so all of these different like on on all sides you know it's not just one group doing it against the other like all these different stereotypes that hold us as a people against each other it's just unfortunate and i would really love 
to change that. I would love to do away with colorism and, and, and the value we place on certain skin types and certain hair types. It's just really sad what has been done to us as a people um, because of slavery and systematic racism. And I just want us to push through that and, and get to a place where we, we genuinely love ourselves. You know, like, look at what happened to Gabby Douglas. Like, can we stop pulling down our people who have achieved these awesome things and, and we're, you know, as they're standing on a podium with a gold medal, we're talking about their hair because mm-hmm. we don't like naps because we, we just don't like anything associated with like real black, you know? Yeah. Don't get me started. Yeah. <laughs> nah. I know though, how, first of all, it's been a phenomenal, phenomenal episode. Like, and I, and I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart, given over well over hour of your time. Yes. But yeah, so where can everybody reach you at for and find out more about you, your podcast, what you got going on? Where can they find you at online? Sure. You can find me. Um, so you can check out Side Hustle Pro, the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play on all social media channels. I'm at Side Hustle Pro, you know, that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And then you can also hit me up on email at hi at sidehustlepro.co. And then the website to get the blog and the recaps of the episodes is just sidehustlepro.co. So any one of those at Side Hustle Pro, you can find me. Minority Trailblazing Nation, thank you so, so much for listening all the way through to the end make sure you subscribe to side hustle pro podcast make sure you do that and most importantly love yourself have a great weekend and make sure you do two things first leave a frequent review on itunes and follows via soundcloud and share with a friend i know that was like three things in one and second you already know what i'm about to say change the freaking culture good night